Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college shooters do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more, talking sports, uh, yes, we- Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay Eric Taylor, and yes, it is a manic Monday. What a great sports weekend. Let's have some fun. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, tweet at us, Facebook us, whatever you want to do. Get in touch with us, Instagram. Ray and Tay are here for you. Send us your emails with some of your thoughts. You know, we're getting into this baseball stuff. Next week, the start of NBA season, we'll have our preview show. We've got a couple of NBA questions for you. Football, college football, the baseball playoffs. Ray and Tay today at gmail.com. Ray, let's jump into it. We're starting with the baseball. The Royals and the Mets are both up in the AL and the NLCS 2-0. Can either one of them sweep? What do you think? Royale with cheese. Uh, no, I I don't think so. I, I think sweeping is, is disrespecting the other team, especially considering, you know, it's like that old basketball adage. The series doesn't start till the home team loses, right? Exactly. So far, both home teams just protected home turf. So now we're going on the road, and I think at worst, both road teams will split. So no sweeps here. That's fair. I agree. Listen, uh, the Royals, you know, game threes tonight. When you're watching that series, the one thing that you noticed or felt, thing I, big thing I took from it, they will manufacture runs by any means necessary. And if Moustakis or Morales or somebody needs to, you know, hit a home run or Kane, somebody needs to steal extra base or go from first to third. However it needs to happen, they get it done, Ray. Escobar with the glove and a great play at shortstop. I just I, – I want to see Toronto win at home. We think – we both picked Toronto Mets, but right now, remember when I said my mind is with the Royals and my heart is with the Blue Jays? Well, maybe I should have gone with my mind and not my heart because the Royals, it's – yes, it's two at home, but it's – Two very impressive wins. How do you see this series? I think the Blue Jays will get the game tonight, though. Are you think your mind is playing tricks on you? Boop, 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 boop. No, to get them, boys, Slayer. <laughs> so, I think that this kid Strowman is going to throw a great game at home. He's ready. This would be, yeah, this would be Johnny Cueto's time if he really, really wants to cash in and make free agent money because he had a disappointing. 
second half, and they thought that he would go to KC and, and he would do great. Now, the team did great, but Cueto himself didn't do great at all. He had around a five ERA and really didn't impress. He did pitch well last game, gave up two runs early in the game, but held it down after that, so a la uh, Matt Harvey. And even uh, Jacob deGrom actually did the same thing against uh, against the Dodgers. So I, I really think this kid Stroman is going to outpitch Cueto tonight. I'm looking at the roster, and I see that uh, they made this. This is the new roster they want to go with Toronto. They're going with Revere, Donaldson, Batista, Encarnacion, Calabello, and then Tulowitzki hitting in uh, in the sixth spot, Russell Wilson in the seventh spot, Pilar hitting eighth in center field, and Ryan going second right. base hitting ninth. Russell Martin. Yeah, sorry. Right. So uh, Kansas City looks like they're going with their normal lineup, except that Alex Rios is hitting ninth. So, so, so the bottom of their lineup, though, that's the thing. Like you said, manufacturing runs. Look at the bottom of the Royals lineup. So you go Mustakas hitting sixth, and then you got Sal Perez hitting seventh, Gordon hitting eighth, and Alex Rios hitting ninth. Before you get Sal- to Escobar, Salvador Perez. Ray. Salvador Perez is. <laughs> He's clutch, I got to say, you know. He, he's got to be considered one of the elite catchers in the league. I mean, he, he between what he does behind the plate, his, his timely hitting, and he's got some pop. I, I really like him. I like him a lot. And um, the Royals, you know, win, lose, or draw, the Royals have a nice little nucleus there. And they can bring in a Ben Zobrist or not re-sign him, you know, Cueto, not Cueto. They're I think he fits there perfectly. I think Zubris is going to stay. And no, but they... what I'm saying is you, you, you might be right about that, but what I'm saying is they have a core where they can just it, – it's almost like the Yankees of the late 90s where they brought in a Chili Davis and they brought right. in a fielder and they, you know, they made little tweaks because the core was there. David Justice, you know? exactly. Yeah. David no, Justice, right. exactly. Yeah. Well, it should so be fun. I, I, I do look for Toronto to win tonight, though. Yeah, we both uh, feel that. But going to the National League, I think we're seeing the curse of the Murph. Mad Money Murph. Daniel Murphy, in four straight postseason games, he's cleared the ball out the park. Four home, I mean, four home run games. I think it's uh, five home runs total. But he, Ray, he's been killing it so clutch. I mean, he basically just won swing, won the game because the pitching was so great with Noah Syndergaard, um, four to one in game two. The Mets, I don't know. I, I the Cubs, yeah, they might win in Chicago, and you know that that home stadium is crazy. But the Mets look like a team that's on a mission and they're poised. And I don't care if it's Flores or the catcher or Grandison, who's having a great postseason. Wow, I mean. Everybody seems to come through in the clutch. And if you get David Wright's bat to be consistent and wake up, my goodness, you know, uh, the pitching's too strong, right? I, I, this might go five. I might be shocked, and, and it, might, it might end soon. You know, the Mets are going with that old-school formula of pitch to keep the games close and then timely hitting. What's crazy is that Daniel Murphy's not a home run hitter, right? Nope. It's not – it's not uh, – At best, he's a doubles hitter between the gaps and a, and a single spray hitter. 
<laughs> yeah, your boy Cespedes, you would you would argue, is one guy on the Met that Mets that would hit home runs in four straight games. You'd say, all right, you want a Cespedes potentially. But David Wright is making himself a lot of money. Now, because he's not an actor, he can't be officially named the King of Queens. But Dan, your boy Dan and Mark, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? He's making him a lot of money, and we'll see if the Mets re-sign him. But for now, he is carrying this team because the Mets look like, you know, that pitching staff is unhittable. And I tell you what, the Mets pitching staff goes deep, right? So next game on Tuesday is Jacob DeGrom against Kyle Hendricks. You gotta that's think not that's, even fair. Yeah, you got to think that's, that's uh, Mets all the way. And then the next game, Stephen Matz and Jason Hamill, you know, that's a toss-up. So I got I to gotta say the Mets have three aces, whereas the Cubs have two. And their aces are really good, but they were outpitched. So, you know, uh, Arietta and Lester are really good. But you know what? DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Matt Harvey can pitch them to a duel. And because the, the Mets have three the Mets have an advantage. Now it's two two one one one, correct? Yes. Okay. So see that'll be interesting for City Field. I keep wanting to call it Shea Stadium. It will always be Shea in our hearts for you young kids at City Field. But game five, where you're gonna go back to Arietta, back in City Field, does you know, does his luck change? And I don't want to hear people saying he's not clutch. Look, this guy is so clutch. He's already won on the road in the postseason in Pittsburgh, and he's a stud. He just lost game one in, in City Field. That happens, you know, to another great pitcher. So, and Matt Harvey. So, we'll, we'll see how this pans out. The one thing I will say is that the energy in the, each stadium is inspiring. Like, you know, you feel like whether you're in Toronto – Kansas City, Chicago, or New York, that the home field is insane. The towns are baseball crazy. And I think that's just, you know, that's just good for the game. And it makes it a lot of fun, even if you're not there live, to enjoy it on TV, you know. I tell you what, what's interesting, too, is these are two cold city stadiums, cold city teams, and People with the like the ski masks. I love that. <laughs> it's so well, all funny. four of them are cold, right? I mean, Toronto. Well, yeah, yeah. Toronto's indoors, though. Yeah. That's but, the uh, one. And Kansas that's City's probably advantage. not as bad as the other two. But, yeah, yeah, no. But it's so funny to see the players with their little ski masks on, especially the Latin players. They're like, this is not for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't grow up playing baseball in this kind of weather. I don't blame him. That's right, Poppy. Protect yourself. But, you know, it's going to be, I mean, who knows how bad it's going to be tomorrow in Chicago. You could get snow. We're warming up on the East Coast, so my guess is it'll actually be all right. I think it'll be in the 50s and 60s in Chicago. So should be all right. All right. Well, not, not, I mean, it was out in the 40s, and high 30s, low 40s yesterday in New York. I know. I know. So, all right, game three, National League. Who are you, who are you, who are you rolling with? You think the Cubs get it together, or does DeGrom is too unbeatable? I think DeGrom is too tough. I may give him game four so they don't get swept, but I think DeGrom is is just too tough. Now, now Kyle Hendricks, can he hold the Mets lineup down? Maybe, because the Mets are hitting above, some of them are hitting above their, you know, their baseball card, like uh, yeah. uh, Curtis Granderson and uh, your boy 
Daniel Murphy. But I think that Jacob DeGrom is as is, is good as it gets right now. And so he's only going to give up one, two, possibly three runs. So I like yeah, that. I think they go down they go down three oh. But listen, give but see this is what a veteran's all about, and maybe he learned this with the Yankees or just him being a savvy vet. But Curtis Granderson all season long never was hitting on the first pitch. He was always taking pitches. And then the postseason he's been jumping on the first pitch. So, you know, you, you, you like the aggressiveness and how he's like, uh, you know, I'm switching it up. So that's what the postseason is about. You gotta you gotta rock and roll with it, twist it up, you know, do what you gotta do and switch it. But Ray, it's that time, baby. You are now listening to the NFL Talk. Ray, 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 Ray. Another weekend of great football. We got a great game tonight. We'll predict that in a minute with Giants and Eagles. We'll start with Sunday night, Ray. 0-5, young Andrew Luck is against Brady and the Patriots now. And I don't care if people think that fake punt or fake kick, if that, that, that turned the game. To me, yes, the Colts played much better, 21-20 at the half. But I think 34 was the Patriots almost being generous. They could have scored more. And I think the Colts, you know, they got that – Edelman interception, the bang, you know, off his finger. I didn't realize his finger was that jacked up. That helped him. But to me, I just think the Patriots have the Colts number, Ray, whether it's Belichick, how he had Manning, and now he's got luck. And I don't think the Colts are ready. Offensive, defensive line, they, you know, they don't even get to Brady. So, to me, 34-27 was not actual of the truth of, of the Patriots' control of the game, in my opinion. Pats win Sunday night football. I hear you, and you know what? Andrew Luck really does have a ways to go. He's finally got offensive skill position depth that's really good. Uh, His line is a little shaky. The defense, uh, that's what they need to work on. But you're right, Bill Belichick, somebody said it best. They said Bill Belichick gets in your head, and you start thinking about these weird, you know, offensive plays. Now, granted, I I don't think Indianapolis would have won that game, but that fake punt at the end of the third quarter didn't help matters and <laughs> it took the air out of the balloon and really it just made made you look full it made you look desperate that's the thing it made you look desperate because you didn't go for it on fourth down smash mouth frank gore up the middle mano a mano you tried to out trick the master and you know the master has all the tricks so so <laughs> You know, watch out what you do against Bill Belichick coach teams. You know what I mean? They're beatable, but not that, not not like that. So, little disappointing for Indianapolis. And uh, the good thing for them, though, is their division is terrible, and they'll still win the division. And it'll be very easy for them, even at ten and six. Watch out, Brian Hoyer's heating division. up. Oh Lord, the man eater. Watch out, boy. He's heating up. Don't don't sleep, man. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Hoyer's coming. Uh, I mean, right. I like Brian Hoyer maybe more than the next guy, but they're not going to beat the Colts. I mean, they're not going to finish ahead of the Colts. But see, and that pisses me off because honestly, I don't feel like the Colts. They they 
they would be struggling if they were in another division. I don't think they'd be able Those to bang. Those things are cyclical, though. Those things are cyclical, right? I know. These guys will draft it's a couple true. of, you know, another Peyton Manning, another Andrew Luck, and, and suddenly the AFC South will be the hot division. Yeah. Well, let's keep it moving. Let, let's go to New York, New Jersey, man, because I think people are disrespecting the New York Jets. Now, we know Ray didn't because he hasn't been in the playoffs. Tay might have a little bit although I thought they'd have a, a very good season. 34-20 over the Redskins. It seems like the Redskins, because of their injuries and because of everything else, they lost all their mojo. But the Jets, I think we got to start really looking at them and the Steelers, and we'll get to them in a second, as maybe the front runners for the wild card and the Jets' defense. Look, if it's Patrick, I always said, if he doesn't turn it over, and Chris Ivory, one of the hardest runners you've ever I loved him when they brought him from – you're right, Christopher. When they brought him from the Saints, um, you know, it, it's looking good. And B. Marsh, Bar- Marshall and Decker, give them credit. They, they've they got some mojo. But I want to ask you, why are we staying with Kirk Cousins again? Why can't we see Robert Griffin III? Because I don't think Cousins is the answer. And I think he's proven it for multiple weeks in a row. Please tell me something. I asked that question to the audience last week. I said, what do we see in Kirk Cousins? So if you don't like Robert Griffin, I get it. But I don't see anything in Kirk Cousins. And and like we said, you know, we'll talk about Michigan State in a minute. There's a reason he was a third-round pick for Michigan State. And, again, Russell Wilson was a third-round pick. But there's a reason he was a third-round pick. There was a reason why he's not an NFL starter. He had a few good games. But ultimately, this guy is a very, very capable NFL quarterback, and you probably put him in that 30 to 40 range in terms of best quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe 25 to 40 range. So this guy is not the answer if you're looking to be a playoff team and make a deep run. So I don't know. You know, Maybe, maybe Robert Griffin is going to get traded in the offseason. I don't know how much you get for him, especially because they, re- they picked up his option. But Kirk Cousins is not the answer. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sort of um, kind of surprised, you know. I'm, I'm just kind of surprised that he's still, you know, week to week able to do what he's not doing. And, yes, he's got some injuries, but, you know, everybody does. Like, I, I, I can't – at this point in the NFL, you can't, you know, you don't want to hear about that. But we got to hear about my Steelers. Now, Ray got on me because I picked against them on the show – even though my picks in our ESPN, I, I picked my Steelers. Ray got on me. Ray got on me. on the show. Ray, listen, listen, listen. Ray got on me about my about my deep water faith, which you know Tay talks about. But I got to tell you, the Cardinals should have won that game, and they should be killing themselves and embarrassed. Landry, I'm a hippie country boy. Jones came in. And just took over. And the Steelers' defense, like I told Hank weeks ago when he tried to call me a Steeler homer, they played good enough, and they're getting better each week, the linebackers, uh, to it, the young defensive linemen. See, I told people getting rid of um, Ike Taylor and and Palomalu, we got faster. So it's going to take time in terms of scheme. But we've got talent and speed, and I think we're starting to see it. So that was a big win for the Steelers, and they they took care of Carson Palmer in a very good 
and solid defense at Arizona Cardinals. What would you think about that game? I thought it was great for Pittsburgh. I thought it was disappointing for Arizona. Uh, I, that was one of those games where if you're an elite team and you essentially knock Michael Vick out of the game, you have to win that game. You really do. Uh, Pittsburgh was on the ropes. You were up 10-3, and Pittsburgh goes ahead and scores 22 in the second half, 22-3. to So Palmer made a couple of bad mistakes reading the defense. I mean, his numbers look gaudy, 421, but you know what? You only scored one offensive touchdown. It's not enough, not enough. So let me ask you, as a Pittsburgh fan, Landry Jones and Michael Vick, what are your thoughts, and how happy are you that Tavy Tave – Martavius Bryant is back in the mix. And what does that remember, mean for fantasy owners? I told you, for wait, wait, Bryant I told and you exactly. You're right, exactly. Fantasy wise, I don't know if he hurts Brown once Ben comes back, but Vic's not playing anymore, and that might have been the last time you've ever seen Michael Vick on an NFL field throwing the ball oh, again. Boy. Wow. So Landry Jones, I think Ben was gonna rush back. He can relax against Kansas City because Landry looks so good that they're going to – they got three home games coming up. They got to go to Kansas City. I think Landry will play. You don't have to rush Ben back. And then Ben will be there for – I think it's Cleveland, Baltimore again, and somebody else or Cleveland. You know, there's a couple of games there, maybe the Raiders or something. But I think what's great is that – Landry can throw the ball around. Remember, Vic almost got picked off earlier in that game, and I said that to you. I, I'm scared about him throwing those outs because, yeah, he's still got a fastball, but his decision-making is slowed down, and he's tentative. He doesn't really know the offense. Landry Jones, you know, was there all preseason, there all training camp. He knows the offense. The kid just needs the opportunity, right? A lot of kids don't get a chance, and this kid was, was a star at, at Oklahoma. He was a good quarterback, so – um, and Brian will be, be a beast in fantasy. I think him and Brown, look, I told you, it's the killer bees. Ben, Bell, Brown, Bryant. Those boys are going to San, San Francisco at the end of the season. Oh, Period. Lord. All right, well, let's get, back to the, let's get back to the schedule. So you, you, did, you did get the Chiefs next week. You do get the Chiefs next week, but then you are home to the Bengals. Yes, Bengals. Yes. The Raiders. Okay the Browns, and then you go to the Seahawks, and then the Colts, well, ben, the ben Bengals will be again. Back. So it's, it's heating up. Yeah, Big Ben needs to come back. He'll be back for Cincinnati. I don't think we need him for KC. No, I don't you know? think so. KC's terrible. And, and you know what? Let's be honest. We're on to Cincinnati. And Buffalo, Ray, has got to be the ones in question right now. And Rex Ryan, who I give you credit, you, you, you never really back Sexy Rexy because he runs his mouth too much. I like him and would want to play for him as a coach. But to be fair, Tyrod Ty Taylor was out. Watkins can't play. Uh, Carlos Williams, McCoy came back and played well. But they can't stay healthy. And the defense has not showed up the way you thought it would. And they went up against a juggernaut. We'll talk about that more later, but right now, Anthony Dalton, Hill, Bernard, the receivers, offensive line, defense, this might just be pound for pound the best team in the NFL, 34-21. Go, Bengals, go. <laughs> I got to tell you, the Bengals scored 34, and if you watch that game, they didn't actually play that well. 
they played just okay. It wasn't one of their better games in terms of offensive execution. Um, Dalton didn't have any interceptions, but there weren't any huge plays. They shut uh, they shut your boy AJ Green down for the most part. Um, yeah. Eifert had that touchdown. Sanu didn't do too much. It was the Marvin Jones show, but that's exactly. Yeah the sign of a great offense when you can yeah. still put up 34 and you can still dominate against a, against still a good defense without your a game so yeah cincinnati's for real and i think buffalo will be fine uh second half of the year they'll they'll, they'll give a lot of people trouble and then maybe next year when they have everybody else because i think that team starts with lashawn mccoy actually because lashawn mccoy allows you to dominate time of possession allows you to run the ball keep the defense fresh take pressure and possessions away uh take pressure away from your own possessions away from everybody else and then play action for young tyrod taylor who's not that young anymore uh yeah but cincinnati this game is all about cincinnati So moving on, look, we got five undefeated teams remaining. Everybody knows it's, you know, Packers, uh, Panthers, and the AFC is Bengals, Broncos, and um, Patriots. But there's no more winless teams. So props to Detroit and finally getting the ball to Megatron, and they take care of the Bears. But what I want to ask you about is our boy Hank's team, Dan Campbell with the tough talk. Well, finally they woke up and played. Uh, unfortunately, Mariota's got a sprained MCL. It was Olivier Vernon dirty with his hit? They won 38-20. What is shot? What are your thoughts about the Dolphins and even the the, the kind of hit on Mariota and how they played? Can that continue? I thought the hit was absolutely dirty and uncalled for. I mean, people make their livelihood in this league, yeah. you know, with their bodies. And if you hit somebody up high and he sees you coming, then that's fine. And even if they don't see you coming, you got to hit them in a place that's natural to be hit. You can't hit somebody below the knees like that. That's just, that's not, that's not good. That's not good. It's People aren't living that way. Yeah, it's bush it's, Yeah, it's really, and, and hopefully Why it's not. Why wasn't he thrown out or, or I don't know if they called the penalty on that play because I didn't see that live, but I don't know, right? I'm sure a fine is coming, I would believe. Yeah, it, the game moves too fast. I, I don't hold the, the – the refs on the field accountable for that. You know, it's hard for so them to the exactly the yeah, yeah, maybe that's that's a league situation. But you know what? The Dolphins, this was exactly what the Dolphins needed. The Tennessee Titans. And <laughs> you know, Marcus Mariota played great in week one, but eventually the league kinda caught up to him a little bit. Uh still looking good as a rookie, but this is exactly what Tannehill needed. But that roster be fair, the roster is not. No, no, no. No knock on him. I'm just saying people got a little excited. You know, they're like, <laughs> oh, Tennessee, Tennessee, they're going to make the playoffs. They're gonna be, no, no, they're not. They're <laughs> but the thing is, Lamar Miller, that was the most important thing to me for the Dolphins because Good point. Yep. Tannehill needs a running game. He needs balance. You don't want him to be too, too much pressure, too much on his shoulders. And, you know, his skill position receivers, you know, Stills, Landry, Matthews, they're all Jordan Cameron, the disappointing Jordan Cameron, they're just okay. So he needs he needs that running game. And I think they're a little exactly bit better than you think order. they are. I think they're just a little bit better than you think they are. They're not that all bad. Right, I well, love prove them. it on the field. Prove it on the field. Look, they're better, they're better than the next man we'll talk about, and we'll talk about him later in our I'm Sorry, Cameron Newton who 
listen, he got over a hump that a lot of people don't get over and that people didn't think, you know, in the other second matchup of a playoff matchup, we had Colts Patriots, well, you had Panthers-Seahawks. Seahawks must win game for them. The Panthers undefeated. They go into Seattle, into the 12s, 27-23. Cam Newton has back-to-back 280-yard drives, Ray. That's wow. the most impressive part of the game. Amazing. Amazing. It, was just, it really is. It was great to watch, and I, I got to say, he is now past Brady for me. Um, you know, Brady's still like the, the, you know, the leader in the clubhouse, but in terms of New Jack City doing more with less, it is Cam's title for the last, last year and this year because he, he, he's got Greg Olson. Stewart can barely even run anymore. Tobert is a joke. Uh, Philly Brown, Forrest Whitaker, I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know where these guys are coming from. I'm sorry, but – Ray, it's no one to fear. And whatever happened to Funches? This guy was drafted from Michigan. You haven't even seen him. So props to Cam Newton. Props to the Packers, Ray. But tell me, I know you, Ray's got a bone to pick about this. Wait, hold on, hold yeah, on. We need to talk about – wait, wait. Before we get to the Packers, we need to talk about the Seattle Seahawks. Are yeah, they uh, in trouble at 2-4? and four? Because yeah. – if you want to think the glass is half full, so you know why the glass is half empty, two and four, right? But the glass is half full would tell you Cam Chancellor was out for a couple games. Oh, and by the way, in the four losses, they were leading in the fourth quarter in each of those games. So are you yeah. worried as a Seahawks? Because they play in a tough division. They're not in the AFC South or the NFC South. You know, actually, NFC South is doing okay now, but AFC South, right? Uh, or, or NFC East, I guess. Is they can't division. seem to break away from the Rams or Cardinals. You're right. I Listen, they have a shot to still win their division and maybe be a wild card because the NFC seems to be looking kind of weak for the two wild cards right now. That's going to be like a Russian roulette. Uh, you know, it's like the <laughs> NBA Eastern Conference. So I, I, I wouldn't be totally worried. They can't lose next week. I'll tell you that much. They can't go two and five. Then you, you have to be, you know, tears on a pillow crying, worried. But the, issue, the main issue, we spoke about it yesterday, is the offensive line. That's what it is. It's nothing else. They made a bad assessment upstairs to me getting rid of Unger for Graham and then letting Carpenter go to the Jets. Now, you got to somehow replace two of your big offensive linemen, especially your center. I, I don't think you needed Graham and you didn't improve the outside receivers. So maybe you thought Graham would be the perfect answer, but you, you're built on physicality. You got to the Super Bowl two years in a row on being physical. So, uh, you know, it, we'll see what happens. I think they made a misstep, which is why I don't have them in the Super Bowl this year. Now, the Packers, your favorite team to predict for Super Bowl, because I know you, you got a little crush on Rodgers, deservedly so. Let's talk about my guy. Break down for me what is going on with Phillip Rivers because he might be the best quarterback to watch play the position, and he never, never gets consistent help from anybody. Should they have won this game, Ray? Look, winning in Green Bay is very, very difficult. But Phillip Rivers threw for 503 yards. <laughs> Keenan Allen was unguardable. Ugh. Amazing. Gates and Green, Floyd. But the problem is that they get too cute in the red zone 
and they don't score enough touchdowns. And so against a team like Green Bay, you have to score touchdowns. 503 passing yards, and you only put up 20 points. And this was manifest, and we talked right as this was happening, your best, I don't want to say he's your best player, but your most dynamic player is, maybe it's Keenan Allen, but but in terms of versatility is Danny Woodhead. The problem is he's 5'8". You cannot give a 5'8 guy the ball. When the field gets narrow and it gets short, and you only and you're on the ten, and there's only ten yards in the end zone. So there's twenty yards to play with. Five eight guys cannot dominate in the red zone. I'm sorry. So maybe if you're five eight two forty, you can dominate. But five eight guys that are light in the butt, they cannot dominate. And you cannot go four times. I would have rather him try to get the ball to Green or Gates and get picked off than to go four three out of four times. To the five eight Danny Woodhead, they tried two inside draws, and they tried to throw to him as a receiver. And again, he's five eight, folks. And this is a big boy league. And Philip Rivers himself is six four six five. Gates is six five six four six five as a basketball player. Green is six five. Mal, uh, you know, Floyd is six two six three. Keenan Allen got hurt, so he wasn't there at the end. Also tall. You know what? You gotta. You, you, there's a reason why these GMs. We always knock the GMs, right? There's a reason why these GMs like size. They like the big, tall targets. Now, granted, there's intangibles, and there's granted there's a whole bunch of other things that that you need toughness to be a football player. But you're at a supreme disadvantage in the red zone when you're five nine. I'm sorry. It's sad. It's sad. And you save your sorries because we're going to be sorry later on. We got to end it. NFL with Monday and Thursday night picks and it's time I think for Peyton Manning to kiss the feet of his defenders buy all of them a watch and I'm talking about a nice watch 26-23 in overtime Cleveland with the ugly home jerseys should have won the game and I, I just you know look he had a great pass to Sanders CJ Anderson got some clutch first downs they got to kick the field goal to win but if their defense doesn't stop them and knock them out of field goal range, they lose this game in regulation, and Manning is going to be the GOAT. They're still undefeated. Ray, Denver, look, I, I like the fact that the defense is doing it, but you're right. Come playoffs or whatever, they cannot keep winning like this to advance to a Super Bowl if you don't run it good enough, and he's got more interceptions than touchdowns. Wow. Ten interceptions. And by the wow. way, you got to be kicking yourself if you're the Cleveland Browns. You could have been three oh. and three. You should have won this game. You had several chances to win gotta this win game. That. At home, you got to, you know, the lion is hurt. You got to stab the lion. You know, I have to get graphic, but you know, no, you got to no. take care of business. And yeah. and you know what? I, I I'm not mad at Peyton Manning because he shouldn't even be playing this year. What we know about his physical strength and his physical ability to play he shouldn't even be playing this year but you know what he's carried for the better part of 18 19 years he's carried mediocre defenses so if anybody that gets a pass on you know being six and oh despite not playing well is this is not digging a grave for manning and piling on one of the greatest uh, players of all time and probably the goat of the regular season you know he he's you know 
just he's the man, but he's got to do like Elway did and, and, and say defensive running game, let's do it. So let's go to Monday night and then Thursday night. The Giants at the Eagles. This is a difficult one to predict, Ray. It's the battle of who wants to be the best quarterback in the NFC East, which coach is going to be there next year, which running back out of the six that play for these guys will, will, will play the best, and who's healthy. I say that the Giants and Eli – and maybe even if Odell's not going, I'm not sure about that yet, but I like Dwayne Harris. I even picked him up in one of my fantasy leagues. I like the way the Vereen's been going. I cannot trust this Eagle You like offense. his dreadlocks, don't you? I, I do miss mine. I miss my dreadlocks. <laughs> you, dreadlock days. you know, I had the ladies banging on the glass window at Starbucks, like waving at a, bl- a brother. You know, I miss, I miss that. You get a lot of special attention. <laughs> Yeah. with the locks, Ray. We won't go back to that, that right now. I say the Giants win 23-21. Close game. Might not be too pretty. Might be kind of weird looking. NFC East battle. 23-21. My offensive stud is Vereen. Maybe 30 yards rushing. 60 receiving. Maybe nine receptions. Touchdown. You know what? I'm going to take the other side of that. I'm going to say the Philadelphia Eagles at home are trying to make this division a race. And if they win, they go to 3-3. Three and three. Giants go to 3-3. Three and three. Uh, Cowboys and Redskins have both have two wins. I just feel like the Giants are inconsistent enough to win, win a couple, lose a couple, and without Beckham, or at least without Beckham at full strength, Randall's not at full strength. So you're looking at third and fourth options for Eli. He doesn't have a consistent running game. I just think that Chip Kelly's going to up-tempo the offense. He's going to get Bradford going early. That running back by committee, maybe he likes Matthews deep down in his heart a little bit better than he likes DeMarco Murray. More dynamic back, you know, more versatile. I have a feeling that at the link, at Lincoln Financial Field, Philadelphia <laughs> puts it on them in the second half, and they win a pretty high-scoring game. I'll call it 31-26. Well, starting week seven off in the NFL Thursday, you've got a great rivalry of two teams that were probably two of the best rosters in the last two to three seasons, and it seems like that's over, at least definitely for the Niners. You have the Seahawks going to San Francisco, get a taste of where the Super Bowl's at. This is exactly what the Seahawks need. I think they get Kaepernick a couple times, picking him off and sacking him. I think the Seahawks, they don't go crazy, but I think they win 24-13 over the Niners, and I think it's going to be beast mode, 100 yards and a touchdown. Seahawks. You know, even though their records are comparable, it's hard to see this Seahawk team as anything but an elite team, despite the offensive troubles they've been having, and also communication in the secondary. You know, you would think that yeah. Legion of Boom. Now, granted, they have a new uh, cornerback. Well, they called it but, different players. Yeah, that was the. Was the but 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 they should still be able to communicate better than they are. Greg Olson, right up the seam. I mean, that that, that shouldn't happen between Sherman and Chancellor. They've been there forever. So 
I can't say that Seattle's humming and they're running on all cylinders, but I can definitely say they're better than the Niners. And I think that, that they go out there and they take their frustrations out of the Niners. I think Kaepernick had a good game, and I really want to see him succeed. But at the end of the day, I think that Seattle defense is too tough, and I think they win. They found a way to get Jimmy Graham into the game. I think Skittles, your boy Marshawn, uh, Marshawn Lynch is going to do big things. I think they win big. I'm going to say 31-13. Ouch. Next Tuesday, the 27th of October, I think we'll probably have our preview show, and it's the start of the NBA season. We got a couple of questions talking about the NBA. Now time for NBA All right. right, for all you hoop fans out there, let's get it started. So we're going fast and focused, and our focus is the association. All right, let me start it off. So okay. which team in the Western Conference is most improved, in your opinion? Well, I won't go with the big hitters. To me, when I think about most improved, it, it might be a surprise, and it might be not these young teams, but this team that's been gradually getting more veterans by the minute, and it's the Sacramento Kings. I think George Carl will find a way to make it work with Cousins, Rudy Gay, my boy Collison, who will now be the backup point, Ben Ray's favorite Kansas player, McLemore, and Rondo. And I think the Kings will push – Phoenix, Dallas for that seventh, eighth spot. And I'd like to see the Kings actually make the playoffs. And so would Shaquille O'Neal. So I think the Sacramento Kings will be most improved. Ray, let me ask you this. Who is the next young player? I'm talking about these young, talented cats to become a future star and maybe a star this season. Who's the next young guy, Ray? Who's coming up? You know who I think is coming up, and hopefully he's not Ben McLemore? D'Angelo Russell. I have a feeling that he's going to play with Kobe in practice, and there is going to be some learning going on, and I think naturally he's talented, 6'5", lefty, Look for D'Angelo Russell to be the next young up-and-coming swingman stud. Wow, you're going with a rookie. I thought you might go give me a second- or third-year guy. Wow, the rook. That's big right there. All right, well, hit me up. What you got for me? All right. So this 60-win team called the Atlanta Hawks. Can they be <laughs> as good as last year? Oof. You know, you lose your most versatile player in Damari Carroll up to Toronto, which helps that roster a lot. He was an underrated scorer and a great defensive player. But then you bring in Tiago Splitter, who actually helps you because you were getting killed last year on the defensive boards. The East is going to be healthier this year than it was last year. So the real answer is no. But I still think they're a top four seed because of the way they play and the talent that they have. So, no, but still good. So, Ray, are you ready for our last Fast and Focus NBA question? 
Bring it is on. Is this the year where my man, the brow, Anthony Davis, wins the MVP and becomes the best player in the association? Yes, and possibly. The reason I say possibly is because anytime LeBron James is healthy, LeBron James is the best player in the NBA. But, but he's not I really healthy. Believe, yeah, so so depends on LeBron's health, but I do believe that Anthony Davis is ripe to win himself an MVP. The only problem is he plays in the West, and getting a playoff spot is going to be really, really tough. So... I don't know that you give an MVP, and we had this issue with Russell Westbrook, right? Do you give an MVP to somebody that didn't play all the games, A, and B, team finished eighth, was going to finish eighth or ninth? So he's ready. He impacts the game on both sides, and I think he will win the MVP, and I think he'll lead his team to a playoff seed, maybe fifth. So, yes, Anthony Davis for MVP. I'm printing my banners right now. It's going to be great. I'm excited for the NBA season coming up. It's going to be hyped up. Ray and Tay are going to, going to give it to you strong, NBA, all the time. I think, uh, wait, Ray, you think we're doing the preview Tuesday? We will do it before the tip-off. So might be a little special show on Tuesday for you. But, Ray, it's time to talk college football. And then we close the show with our segment, I'm sorry. Real quick, the top 25, some changes. Ohio State, number one, Baylor, two. Utah three, they move up one spot. Well, TCU. Well, stop down. right there. Stop right there. Utah, did you Utah, see that they have sixteen first place votes? Ohio State twenty five. They're right on Ohio State's tail. Ray, you know I, you know how I feel about this Utah team. Even though I thought Arizona State to maybe upset them, Booker is another one that we could see in New York for the Heisman the way that he runs. TCU four, LSU and the Heisman winner, Leonard Fournette five. <laughs> Number six, Clemson, who was off last week. Michigan State seven with their miracle lucky win, the agony in Ann Arbor. We'll get to that in a minute. Alabama eight, took care of their business. Florida State nine. And number 10, the Stanford Cardinal. The fascinating thing that I wanted to point out, Ray, about this top 10, you got the big five conferences each team having two teams, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, Pac-12, and SEC. So it's a perfect each team has two. What do you, what do you think about that as we're one week away from next Tuesday where the rankings come out for the college football playoff? So a couple of things come to mind. Two, three, four are fascinating, Baylor, Utah, and TCU. Together, they have 32 first-place votes to Ohio State's 28. So, clearly, there's some chinks in the Ohio State armor. I want to see Ohio State play Michigan and then Michigan State. Uh, The great thing is Baylor is going to play TCU. So, that'll be great. Potentially, Utah. Yeah, and potentially Utah might play Stanford. Now, Stanford's going to play Notre Dame, so that's 10 versus 11. So the great thing is that even though the BCS standings will come out, all this is going to be decided on the field. And there's going to be so much great football in November, especially remember we read off that weekend, that Thanksgiving weekend. 
is gonna it's gonna be phenomenal. So and wait, wait, November seventh, we even got some stuff coming up. Alabama LSU, November seventh. That's gonna be you know the two SEC yep. teams in the top ten. I didn't even mention that. Right, five versus eight. That they so always cool. play each other, but that's a Ray, great match. Before we get to the Michigan debacle and just the misfortune, and people, please on Twitter, stop the death threats to this young kid. It's disgusting. That's number one. But number two. Or two and three, you gotta give love and props to Justin Fuente, the head coach of Memphis, who took care of Ole Miss. They finally get ranked. They're eight. They're um, six and zero. Oh, they're number eighteen and in the country. And you called it. Yo, that was a great story. Yeah, I was I was saying on the show, got watch out for Memphis against uh, Ole Miss. And you know, you have a couple other teams. Ole Miss is still in there. Pitt jumps in. Duke moves up. Temple moves in there. Houston moves up. So it's great to see that it's not just, you know, Toledo's all the way up to 19, not just the heavy hitters. Let me ask you this, though. Do you believe in Iowa? They took out Northwestern, who knocked them out of the top 25, and Iowa's all the way up to 12, but they, Northwestern's the best team they played. I'm still not believing in Iowa. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Not believing in Iowa. You know, that Big Ten, I think, has a few elite teams, but Iowa really even ha- – hasn't even faced them. So, again, the good thing is that it'll be decided on the field. Here we go. Let's pull up Iowa's schedule real quick. So, Iowa still has yet to play, so they play Merrill. Wow, they get an easy schedule. Yeah, they have so a very easy schedule. They play nobody. So, they played Illinois State, Iowa State, Pitt. I don't even know who UNT is. North Texas. Oh, they played yeah. North Texas. That's like North Dallas 40. <laughs> they played North <laughs> Texas. Then they played uh, Wisconsin. That was the one team they beat. Number 19, Wisconsin. They beat them 10-6. Illinois. Then they played number 20, Northwestern. Beat them 40-10. to And then they have Maryland, Indiana, Minnesota, Purdue, and Nebraska. Wow. What an easy They can run the table. They can totally run the table. But to me, I can't see them being higher ever than eight or nine because they're not playing anybody. They they shouldn't even be 12. That's going to get worked out. What can you do except except schedule better out of the conference and win all your games? Eventually, they're going to get punished for that. And they, they also had a weak Big Ten schedule. They're not better than Florida right now. Florida played their butts off against LSU and had an injury, and their backup quarterback played great. So, anyway, let's, let's talk about it, man. And, and props to Notre Dame for coming back and putting it on USC. You know, it was a close game for a bit, and then they took care of business. We already know what Stanford did. That was beautiful. And LSU, amazing. Bama against Texas A&M. Does Derrick Henry get invited to New York? Because he's, he's been dominant, right? You know, Nick Chubb got hurt, so I think Derrick Henry might take his spot as that second SEC running back. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with you there. How hurtful, not just for us as Michigan fans, but for Michigan alum, for, I mean, just, I can't, how bad was that loss? They had him. Very bad. But like you said, first of all, guys, it's a game. And and the guy messed up. 
and maybe he cost them the game, and maybe he cost them, you know, a, a chance to play for he something also bigger. He also helped him with an 80-yard punt early on in the exactly, game. Exactly, but he had an 80-yard punt. He's, he's a fifth-year <laughs> senior. He's a great punter. Just relax. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> he messed up, but but you know it happens. And he's a, he's, he's a 21, 22-year-old kid. I mean, are you are you really serious? So putting that aside, I was watching this with my wife, you know, who was a Michigan grad, and I told her without exaggeration, this is one of the craziest endings to a football game ever. ever. I mean, not even this week, this month, this year, this decade, ever. And I said, you just witnessed, and, and she didn't watch much of the game except for the last minute or so, and I said, <laughs> you just witnessed one of the craziest endings ever. And without exaggeration, I mean, so many things happened. So there was the muff punt. They could have just fell on the muff punt. Then yes. he tried to throw it, and the Michigan State kid, who ended up breaking his hip or, or injuring himself in oh, the end zone oh, when they piled oh. on him, but separate story, he catches it, and he could have gotten tackled because there was a 10 seconds. So by the time he was down around the five-yard line, the clock pretty much expired. So I thought he was going to grab it and run out of bounds. You know, he never ran out of bounds, but it was close. He never he ran out of bounds, and he almost got tackled. He got contacted around the five or the four, and if he got tackled in bounds, it would have been up to the to the to the official scorekeeper. He probably has a quick finger. You know what I mean? And so Torture. I don't know. And so and so it could have ended. Think about this. Think about if Michigan does that same muff. The guy from Michigan State, grabs the ball, runs down, gets tackled at the six-inch line, and the game's over. It could have easily happened that way, too. <laughs> or I'll he goes this. out of bounds and kicks a field goal to go to overtime. Ray, Michigan should be higher ranked at 15. They, uh, let's be honest, watching the game, they're a better team than Michigan State. They proved it on the field. That 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 getting the linebacker kicked out of the game for when he was pushed into the quarterback. Cook wasn't even hurt. That was disgusting. Yeah, you could call a penalty, but he shouldn't have, definitely should not have been ejected from the game uh, for what was the number 35, number 36, the linebacker. That was ridiculous. But they're not the 15th best team in the nation. Michigan is like a top 10 team, without a doubt. You want to put well, Michigan State? I think State two losses, they, you almost yeah, you know, it's the party I, I line, it. right? Uh, but they should be right there. With, they should be ahead of Iowa. They should be number 12 in the country behind Notre Dame. That's fine to me. But Michigan, it, that was a great, great game and a great loss. They played their butts off, and I got to give it to Harbaugh, man. He's turned them around faster than any of us thought, anybody. So, And like I keep saying, we got to show Baylor love. They actually seem to have a better defense than TCU. They might beat TCU head-to-head, even though I didn't originally pick that. But when you're watching the games – Steph Russell and Baylor, they're unstoppable. And it seems like their defense is just a smidgen, if not a lot better. Let's be honest, TCU's defense this year has not been – I love Gary Patterson, but it's not been that tough. They've given up so many points in every game where Baylor, they're blowing teams out by like 40 or 50 and not giving up too much on the defensive end. So, you know, you'd almost like to see when these Big 12 teams go up against this SEC or Ohio State and see how it plays out on the field. And I think we're going to get to see it this year in the playoff. So I'm just excited. You know, it's, this is great, Ray. Well, I think it's that time in the show. Oh, yeah. Where Ray and Tay 
will bow down and <laughs> apologize when needed. You know, we, we, we call it like we see it, and then when we make a mistake and we're wrong about somebody, we say, I'm sorry. Sometimes we have a letter-writing campaign, and sometimes we just say it on the air. So this week, we got a couple I'm sorry to throw out there. And if um, you want, I can start first. I'm going to let I know you go you'll, first. You'll be licking your chops on this one. I'm going to let you go first. Yours All is right. to a player and mine's to a team. Go ahead. All right. So mine is to a young fella named Cameron Jarrell Newton. And I kept saying that he is not a top five, top ten quarterback. And I kept saying that I don't want to build my franchise around him. I think there's other quarterbacks out there better and more suited to building a franchise. And while I still hold those beliefs, I still have to say I'm sorry to this kid. Because like you keep saying, and like we say about Tom Brady and others, but really starting with Tom Brady, this guy is doing more with less. He beat a Seattle Seahawks team with nobody in particular. Um Greg Olson is is on the downside of his career and you know can still play but he's not the dynamic 4-5 guy out of Miami that he was 10 years ago. And Kelvin Benjamin's out for the season and like you said Jonathan Stewart's best days are behind him. And Funches isn't quite what we thought he'd be, maybe he will be soon enough. And Tolbert's not giving you all that much in the running game. So this guy had lost four in a row to Seattle goes up to Seattle, who I still think is an elite team. I still think Seattle is one of the top, I don't know, six or seven teams in the in the NFL. And by the end of the season, might might just you know make the playoffs and do fine. But he got the monkey off his back, and he just took care of business. Cam Newton, I mean, I don't even have words. He went in there and really did what I don't think many quarterbacks could have done that, frankly. And this is where you give him most of the credit, is that he won a game that he really shouldn't have won. Um, he, he, he threw two interceptions, and he could have been down on himself, and this is a really, really tough place to play and a really tough team. But you know what? His numbers were a little ugly. 269 yards, 55% completions, two interceptions, but but more than anything, he willed his team to win. He did what it took, especially in the fourth quarter. Like you said at the beginning of the show, two 80-yard drives in Seattle, that's unheard of. So (laughs) I'm sorry, Cam Newton, you're the man, and Ray apologizes. Well, Ray, I think Cam would accept that apology. I have to apologize to an entire organization. I think I predicted them either nine and seven or eight and eight and to not make the playoffs. Um, Maybe even a whole city. Cincinnati, as some would say. The Cincinnati Bengals, six and zero. Oh, I think they're going into their bye week. Yeah, we know Dalton, AJ Green, Tyler Eifert, Jones. Sanu. Look, this is one of the only teams is including uh, Bernard, they have one, two, three, four, five receivers with over 18, over 16 receptions, going up from 35 to 16 in week six. That's pretty impressive. The offensive line with Z- uh, Zeigler, uh, Wentworth, these guys, they are horses. Giovanni and, 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 and Bernard and Jeremy Hill have so much running space. 
But what you got to know is that their defense is back. Vincent Ray leads them in tackles. Carlos Dunlop, Adam Pacman Jones, Reggie Nelson, Drake Kirkpatrick. Of course, Gino, I am healthy again, Atkins. Michael Johnson comes back. Ray, this team, and of course, Darquez, the Nard from Michigan State, who got a pick yesterday. This team is actually a team and might be the best team in the AFC. And I respect the Patriots, the Colts, my Steelers. But right now, they can run the ball, I think, better than anybody. They defend just as good as, you know, maybe not as good as Denver, but they're right there. Andy Dalton's playing as good as any quarterback. And you really can't stop them. I mean, Andy Dalton's already got over 1,700 yards and 28 TDs. Oh, no, I'm sorry, not 28. 28. His averaging is 28 yards, 14 TDs. That's what I'm talking about, and that's why, to me, I have to say, and only two interceptions, I have to say sorry to Andy Dalton and the entire Cincinnati Bengals. You'll accept that. Well, great show, oh, yeah. great show. We've got a great sports week coming up with the MLB playoffs. we got a game tonight. we got a game Thursday. So we'll catch you guys at the end of the week on Friday and wrap it up and get you ready for the sports weekend. It's going to be a good one. Enjoy the baseball, and uh, we come back Friday. We might have a series wrapped up. We'll see. You never know. So thanks have for listening. Sports week. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.